0: Well, it's neat to see just the life and growth of this church, Uh, even on this snowy Sunday. As Britton said, man, you guys trekked out, and I know there's a lot joining online as well too, so like Gabby said, enjoy your second or third cup of coffee and your PJs. I was going to, as as we were driving here, I was like, Aaron, we should post something like, hey, like on social, on a story, like, hey, you're already scrolling, you might as well put pants on and come to church. Uh, But obviously with the snow, uh, it's more than just uh, making sure you got pants on, but... Here we are, gathering together online in person. But like you know, uh, we've been in a series uh, called More. And it's a series, really, the vision of who we want to be as a church. Um, but also, we feel like it's a vision for each one of our lives as well, too. And so we've been diving into that. And, and at the beginning of the year, we actually interviewed um, Casey Tobik, who leads 24-7 Prayer. We talked about more prayer. The next week, we talked about more experience and really how, for us as a church, we believe that God wants to be known. He wants to be experienced. Absolutely, that has emotion attached to it, feelings, but it's an intimate relationship he invites us into. So we talked about more experience. Last week, Alex talked about more truth and how do we anchor ourselves to scripture, to truth, while discerning our culture as well, too, and how do we navigate that? And he talked about how a key to that is that posture of love. What is the posture of Jesus as he engages with culture? In this week, we're going to talk about more community. And just as a reminder, we're breaking up these up into five uh, kind of weeks um, because we want to talk about how do we practically live out the vision of this church. Um, And our vision is to be a community of deeply rooted disciples who listen and obey God's voice as we live on mission in the world. We want to be people who have deep roots, who are a community. We learn to hear and obey God's voice, and we live on mission with intentionality and purpose in the world. Wherever we're at, whatever stage of life we're at, we want to live these things out. But not in isolation. It's not something we just do by listening to a podcast at home. But we do it in the midst of community, in the midst of relationship with one another. And that's really what we're talking about today. But I think if we would talk about community, if we would do a secret poll this morning, online, in person, and we would ask the question of, do you feel like you need more friends? Most of us would probably say no. Some of us would say yes, but on average, when you ask them, hey, do you need more friends, they would say no, or like, you know, do you need more relationships, do you need more community? A lot of people would say no, because we feel like we're pretty connected. There's this kind of sense of like, I got enough people in my life. Especially with social media, right? We literally have hundreds or thousands of friends, uh, people we feel like we probably know more about people now uh, than we ever did, right? We can know what every vacation anyone's ever gone on, we know what their daily thoughts are about what their kids are doing, how their schoolwork went, how much they love or maybe more hate their job, what they think about whatever the political climate is, we know everyone's opinions now, and yet, every survey they do also, if you ask if people are lonely... The majority of Americans say they pretty regularly experience loneliness. Questions of, do you feel isolated? Do you feel like you have a close friend? When they dive in and say, do you have a close friend that you can share something that's really important to you, lots and lots of people say no. There's this disconnect between connection... Or like somehow engage with somebody and then actually feeling like you have a close friend, like you have community, people that know you and that you're known by. And of course, we can all say COVID created this, right? You know, and so there's, and I think that's created some of it, but probably more these last two years, what we've experienced is kind of it's exposing a bit of maybe how strong or how maybe not as strong our community was prior to this happening. Because for some people, they had pretty strong connections and, and so they had resources to pull on. But others of us, when we kind of hit that thing, that period of where we were disconnected and we realized, oh my, I'm pretty isolated actually. I'm pretty disconnected. It did cost some of it, but sometimes it also just kind of exposed it and Because I think as a nation, we're actually, we're pretty isolated people right? I remember, and, and we're all in different stages of life, um, but I think depending on the stage of life you're in, um, you know, I remember uh, when I was single, I felt like I had a, a wide net of people and a few people I went deep with and then getting married, the circle got a little smaller and then having kids got a little smaller and, uh, you know, and, and sometimes maybe that's a new job and you're like, all of a sudden this job takes up tons of hours and where you had tons of time before, you're like, oh, all my free time is taken up. I'm thinking about Mayor right here who leads with Young Life and like every evening, that's when kids are available. So you're like, my evening is with children, you know, not children, kids, teenagers. You know, you have different things that all of a sudden fill up your space and you realize, oh, I thought I had these deep connections to this community, but maybe I'm not as connected as I thought I was. And sometimes as people, what we're done is we're, we've left to answer really important questions that most of us ask, like, am I loved? Who are my friends? Does anyone care about me? And those are questions that are pretty hard to answer when you don't have community, when you don't have people around you that know you, you know, do they answer the question, am I loved? Does anyone care about me? You know, it's one thing for someone to post online. I feel like no one, no one cares about me. And then you have a bunch of people that leave comments. I care about you. I see you. I know you. I love you. You know, but then the follow-up, right? It's these questions when we struggle with isolation, we feel like we're disconnected. We wrestle with some of these questions. Am I loved? Do I have friends? Does anyone know me? Does anyone care? about me. And I think this isn't just true for those of us who, um, you know, maybe feel disconnected or maybe people out there, but it can be true of us who come on Sunday mornings or maybe are watching online. It can be true of us that even though we're around people, we might be pretty disconnected. But what if it doesn't have to be that way? What if we could actually have community and meaningful relationships that actually matter. Not just people that we could, yeah, I have friends and list them off, but when we think about them, we say, yeah, they know me. Yeah, I could actually call them and they would be there. That we have people that, that, that get us, the people that are there for us when things get tough. And what if we could actually dream for a moment that as a church, we might have the relationship like that in this place? And that somehow what happens in this place spills out into the places where we live and where we work and where we learn and go to school, where we play and where we exercise and where we do all these things. What if those kind of relationships and friendships actually didn't just impact us, but actually spilled out? Well, One of the last messages that Jesus gave on earth, he actually talks about Some of this. He talks about what is the key, one of what I think is the key to having relationships, meaningful relationships in our lives. And not just in our lives generally, but how do we have them in the church, the local church, the body of Christ? How do we experience that in this context? So today we're going to look at just two verses that have a lot in them. We're going to look at John chapter 13 verses 34 to 35. So let me pray. And as we do, um, I just want to pray. Um, so one of our friends, JT and Laura Meyer, do you know J- JT and Laura there? Uh, they, he's like, worship here and taught here. This is actually their very first Sunday launching a church in Cleveland Heights. Um, so they started 50 minutes ago. So we'll, um, you know, so we, we shouldn't, I mean... We could pray for them, obviously, but maybe not like Lord, send people because they'll miss the service. But um, we can pray for them the rest of their gathering time and just blessing on them, they be encouraged in the midst of this uh, snowy weather. Um, Tom and I were talking, uh, you know beforehand is that um, you, know, sometimes we need to see with the eyes that God sees. Like what does God say is happening right now? And so let's just pray for, for them, Cleveland City Vineyard, just blessing and grace on them as they meet, and then we'll dive into to John chapter 13. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful that we are not on an island here at Lakewood Vineyard, that, God, we are a part of your church, your body here in Lakewood, here on the west side of Cleveland, here in greater Cleveland and beyond. But right now, we say thank you for JT and Laura and Olive Meyer, who are over on the east side in Cleveland Heights, starting this brand new church. We ask your grace and your blessing, even as they gather this morning, as I imagine JT is preaching and sharing his heart and his vision for this church. God, I pray that seeds would be sown, that people would catch the vision of what you want to do in Cleveland Heights and in that area, University Heights. Lord God, would your spirit be present with them? Would you encourage them, God? Would they have a sense that you are with them, that you have called them, that you have sent them and God may your spirit be poured out. Would people today choose to begin a relationship with you, God? Would people who have said no to you, have never heard you, heard about you, God, would they have their hearts and minds open to the God who is better and bigger and greater than they ever could have dreamed? Pour out your spirit on them, God. I ask it all in your name Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so if you see any there, if you follow them on social media, make sure to like some of their stuff, heart comment on them, encourage them as they're launching today. So today, though, uh, for the remainder of our time, we're going to look at John chapter 13 verses 34 to 35. And here's what Jesus says. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, for context, this is happening at the Last Supper, Passover. It's the last meal that Jesus will have with his disciples. And like you would imagine, if this is your last meal with some people, at least before he dies, spoiler alert, he will die and then come back, he'll rise again, if you don't know the end of the story. But it's the last meal that he's going to have with his disciples. And so you would think you'd include the things that are most important, that are most crucial, that are going to happen. And really what he's going to do is he's going to summarize a lot of things and that he's taught in the last three years to his followers. And so Jesus sets it up pretty well. He actually lays out what I think is key to meaningful relationships, specifically in the Christian community, in the local church. And so this morning, we're going to look at three things that I think that Jesus touches on in here. The model of community, the medium of community, and the mission of community. Now, if you're not sure what you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus, you might be like, well, what does this have to do with me? Uh, because this is about how do you have Christian community? Well, here's the thing. Almost anybody who lives since Jesus was alive thinks he's a pretty smart teacher, pretty wise teacher. So whether or not you believe he's the son of God, I think there's a lot that we can learn this morning as well too. So let's dive in. So the first thing we see is that there's this model of community, the model of community. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. And at this point, if you were someone who kind of knows the Bible a little bit, you might say that's not that new, right? Love one another it doesn't feel like a new command. It's like if you read the Old Testament, those are all the books that came before, this is not a brand new thing in Leviticus 19, 18. It's love your neighbor as yourself. And so how is this a new command, love one another? You know, and so maybe what it should be is, you know, love one another as your parents loved you, so you must love One another, but that's not what he says either. Maybe it's love one another as you want to be loved, so you must love one another, but that's not it actually either. What Jesus says is the model is love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. In the church I grew up at, you know, you've maybe heard the golden rule, right? Love your neighbors, yourself, you know, treat others as you want to be treated, that sort of thing. And in my church growing up, they said, well, there's the platinum rule. That's the golden rule. The platinum rule is love others the way that I've loved you. Because I don't know about you, but pragmatically, practically, there's t- sometimes that I see through a filter of how I want to be loved that maybe someone might point out that that's not the best way to love another person. Maybe that's not actually the best way that you should be loved. So Jesus says, I actually have a better model for loving each other, and it's actually loving the way that I love, as I have loved you. And what's interesting, in John, in the the book of John, the Gospel of John, there's only two places where Jesus says, this is a command or commandment. It's this place right here, and then it's also in a couple chapters later in John 15, 12, where he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, a few books later, we have the Apostle Paul who had persecuted Christians, wanted Christians, Christians killed, comes to, becomes a Christian. And he says this in Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So, evidently, according to Jesus and according to Paul, if we really do this love thing well, it actually fills out all the other commands of how we're supposed to treat one another. That if we actually get this idea of leveling like Jesus loved, then actually we're checking off all the other boxes. So, of course, that leads us to the question of how did Jesus love, right? How did Jesus actually love? Well, In this passage, what I want to dive into um, this morning is some of the ways that Jesus loved just in this immediate context, because you could do a whole sermon series on how did Jesus love people. But in this story where Jesus is saying, love one another, what's actually happened right before is that Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And we see Jesus model that one of the crucial ways that we love like Jesus is to love through serving, Love through serving, because he, he washes these disciples' feet, and we've got to remember that, first of all, that was generally something that servants did. They washed people's feet, and Jesus, being the, the rabbi, the teacher, at their meal, he would have been the most honored person. So generally, that person wouldn't have even stood up. He was waited on. But if some of you maybe know some, some Bible verses, and, and Jesus, one of the things that he said that sticks with us is he says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so here's Jesus at the Last Supper, and what he does is he decides, I'm going to wash my followers, my my disciples' feet for them. Again, these aren't feet like ours where the worst thing you're going to get is maybe a a little bit of a smelly odor, maybe sweat. These are guys who've been wearing sandals, walking through dirt-like roads, like there's animal dung on the ground. These are like nasty feet, probably. Maybe. Some of them probably did better than others. But these are the type of feet that Jesus kneels down and washes, he humbles himself, he serves them. Jesus is a model of when we're going to love someone, we serve them. But I was reading one of these commentators and he brought up a great point is that we can actually serve people though and not love them, right? If we love someone, we'll serve them. But if we serve someone, it doesn't necessarily mean we'll love them. Jesus could have said, here's the final thing. Here's the new command he could have said, serve one another. As I have served you, so serve one another. But I think it's pretty smart of Jesus to say love because if we love people and then serve them out of that, then we're not serving out of this place of like how it makes us feel. But we're actually serving people with thinking about them. And not about our self. We're not giving out of how it makes us feel, how it positions us in our community, you know, how great we're like, man, I sure am a servant. You know, it doesn't allow us to create this like um, hierarchy of where, you know, we have, we have more money than some, so sure I'm glad I can help these people who have less. Or like, you know, this, you know feeling bad for people, kind of having this like, um, feeling like we're above somebody else. But when we start with love, and then we serve out of that spot, we're actually oriented ourselves towards them, where we forget about ourselves and we say, I just want to help you in whatever I have. Jesus, he modeled love by serving, but it was with a humble servanthood that was others oriented, not about self-gratification, but giving out of what he had. He showed us that by washing feet. And so we see that is one of the ways that we can model Jesus' love in this community. How do we actually live that out even in this place? Well, sometimes when we begin to serve and be present to other people, not based on kind of how it makes us feel, uh, but be, what other need, others need, is that sometimes it's simple as... We're walking, maybe we're here in this place, maybe we're at a community group, maybe we're somewhere, we run into someone in the grocery store from church, and we're in a hurry, right? And we're like, hey, I could say hi to them, or I really got to go. But sometimes, if we're really oriented towards what are other people's needs, then maybe we stop. Maybe we stop and say, hey, how are you? And maybe even though we feel hurried, we say, how can I pray for you? Or maybe in your busy life and in your busyness, maybe you're in a community group and someone shared a prayer request that week and you're really focused on yourself, you're really busy and they come to mind and you're like, hey, I'll pray for them later, I'll text them later, reach out how they're doing. But maybe it looks like you just stop and you shoot them a text and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I'm I'm, I'm praying for you. See, sometimes we're so focused on ourselves that we serve only when it's kind of comfortable or convenient, but Jesus says, if we're going to love like him and serve like him, then it's really about others, not about our comfort, not about how it makes us feel. And see, the beautiful thing about that in community is that if we're oriented towards loving and serving others, and then they're oriented towards loving and serving us, then our needs are met not by focusing on ourselves, but by others' thinking about us too, right? And I know it doesn't always work that way, right? Some of you have lived lives where you've given and given and given and you feel just burnt out, but the beauty of what we're trying to live into in this place is that what does it look like to look out for others? What does it look like to try to live out this other orientation where we're thinking about how do we meet the needs of others and they're thinking about how do we meet the needs that we have as well too? So Jesus models loving others through serving, but he also models love through vulnerability. After he washes the feet of his disciples, the next section is all about Judas, who will betray Jesus. Judas is then one of Jesus' followers from the beginning, and Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And then what he does, he says, the one who I I dip this bread in into the dish and give it to them is the one who's going to betray me, and Judas is the one that's handed this bread But what we learn about the seating of something like the Last Supper or the Passover is for Jesus to even reach Judas, it means that they were sitting next to each other. And so here is this last meal, this Last Supper. He's traveled three years with Judas, and at the last meal, he's sitting right next to him. Here's this person who is going to betray him, and yet Jesus remains open. And there's maybe lots of reasons why, but one of them is that Jesus remained open. Vulnerable. He remained open. He remained open to relationship with Judas, which is pretty crazy. Right? Jesus said to love your enemies, and I don't know if he would have labeled Judas as his enemy, but Jesus is modeling the one who's going to betray him. He hasn't pushed away, but is allowed to stay near. And could I say that I know this for me and for some of us in the church outside of the church? Man, we are maybe too quick to cut people out we're too quick to cut people out of our lives, we're too quick to cancel people, we're too quick to label someone as toxic and say, you're not serving me. There are times, absolutely, if, if there's someone who is abusing, who is actually like just like hurting you and harming you, absolutely put up boundaries. But sometimes I think we weaponize this language of boundaries, or weaponize these barriers we put between other people, and we suddenly realize, oh, I don't, I don't have a problem with any of the people in my life. Which might speak to, like, I don't know, maybe you've put too many barriers. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but, like, the people that I love the most dear, like, there's actually enough that I care about them and do enough life that there's going to be friction. Like, there's going to be tension at times. And if there never is, then you might need to broaden your circle out a little bit. Because I know for me, some of you, and I mean this in the best of ways, like, we've had tough conversations. And I don't, it's not like me going, I don't know if I've had this, like, where I'm like... Stephen, we need to talk, you know, like, but it's more like, hey, there's been misunderstandings, there's been miscommunication, there's been apologies that I've had to say at times, but that's just life, that's community, and Jesus models this vulnerability with his disciples, and even with those who are going to betray him, and I think as a local church, one of the things at Lakewood Vineyard is we have to be committed, we have to be committed as much as we're able to see relationships restored between us. To see relationships reconciled. One of the things that you have to sign off when you become a member is saying, I'm not going to gossip about other people. And we might have a picture of what gossip looks like, but sometimes it's as much as just like, yeah, I don't really trust them. I don't really get along with them. We just kind of throw these little things of like, yeah, I don't really connect with them. And we all get like, okay, well, that means, you know, like there's something that happened. You know, but one of the things that we're committed to as a local church is saying, I'm not going to just let the status quo go. I'm not just going to let the numbers of people pile up in my life or even in our church that I don't talk to or that I don't connect with. It's okay if you don't have things in common. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying if there's underlying things, we want to be a church that's committed to talking through these things and engaging with one another, staying vulnerable because staying vulnerable is a way that we love others that says there's opportunity for reconciliation. There's opportunity for restoration. So Jesus' loved with vulnerability and openness But then also, Jesus loved in a way that invests in others. He loved in a way that invests in others. For the three years of his ministry, where all of a sudden everyone hears about Jesus, some of the first things he did was say, hey, follow me. He said, follow me. Even in this message, love one another as I've loved you, built in is Jesus saying, I'm not teaching you from afar. I'm saying, follow me. Get close to me. See how I live. Jesus didn't keep people at a distance and just communicate via sermon or via podcast or a book or, you know, a, a text. He actually invited people into his life and said, learn from me. Jesus modeled what it looks like to get messy with other people and to give away what he had. He gave away what he had. And here's one of the things I love about our church. We don't do everything well. We have lots of things. I probably preach too long at times. But one of the things that we do really well as a church is we have wonderful people who are looking out and saying, who can I invest in? Who can I disciple? Who can I invite into a relationship to grow? Who can I give away what I've learned? And if you're someone in this church where you're saying, I didn't know that was true, talk to me afterwards. If you're like, I would love to connect with someone who's a little bit ahead of me, a little bit older, experience a little more. There are so many people in this church that would love to pour out. But Jesus invested in the life of others. He called disciples. And here's the crazy thing about Jesus, is that he didn't have these barriers that we do. He didn't just invite people that were like him, maybe, or that common interest. The people he invited to follow him, so diverse, (laughs) so inclusive. He had people who were super educated, people who were just fishermen. He had people who were more numbers-oriented, people who were more hands-on. You look at the backgrounds, the lifestyles, people's uh, religious experience across the board. But Jesus showed love by investing in others, giving away what he had, inviting people close. His invitation was exclusive. I mean, inclusive. So, I know we just have a few minutes here, but the context of what Jesus is talking about. In Jesus, what he says in verses 34 to 35, over and over again, he uses this phrase, one another. It says, love one another, love one another, love one another. This language, throughout the Bible, first talks about our relationships within the church. Within the church, it's the local church expression. He's saying this is how it's. I think it's. Um, I have the stats over here. It's like sixty percent. I think so. This phrase "one another" um, is a hundred times in the New Testament. Half of them are instructions on how the church, the community of Jesus, should relate to each other. So when you read in the New Testament where it says, love one another, bear the burdens of one another, I, have a, I had a list, I think they're in here, yeah, if you can go to that slide, the list of a bunch of one another's. Be at peace with one another. Don't complain against one another. Accept one another. Be gentle and patient with each other's faults. Forgive one another. Love one another is just there 11 times. So I didn't put all the references. Think of others as more important than yourself. Serve one another. Bear each other's burdens. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Man, that's, and you could find even more. These one another invitations. And you think, man, that's so hard to do. There's a reason why Jesus says, hey, start with the church. Start with the people who are saying, I want to follow Jesus. Who, start with the people who are saying, I want to live this model. I want to follow this model of Jesus. Start with those people on learning how to love one another. It's not meant to say, and the rest of the people don't care about them. That's not what Jesus is saying throughout the scripture. He talks about loving your neighbor, right, as yourself. Who is the neighbor? There's all these invitations to love the broader community. But Jesus says, start here. Just like I would say, start with your family. You want to know how to love your neighbor? Start loving your family well, and it should pour out. And we see that, actually, as in the rest of this passage. As we see, Jesus says um, that, let me get it up here at the very end, so as Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. It's always meant, that's the mission of community. And we'll talk more about that in the next two weeks as we talk about more purpose and more mission. But it's meant the love, the unique community that God wants to form here and in every local church and in the broader uh, capital C church. He wants it to be so unique in the way that we love one another, the way that we serve one another, the way that we're vulnerable with each other, the way we're committed to reconciling and not canceling one another, the way that we're committed to investing and giving what we have. It's so unique that people will say, something is different. Something is different about the way they love each other. Something is different. And I have a video from one of our friends, Valerie, um, I know we're sh- running short on time, but a video from one of our friends, Valerie, who had, had to work this weekend. But she shares uh, her story of experiencing community here at Lakewood Vineyard.
1: Hi, my name is Valerie Schwartz. Um, I've been coming to the vineyard for about since last summer. Um, about a year and a half ago, I had kind of a, I want to say a little bit of a spiritual crisis. Um, I've been a Christian for a long, long time. And really started to realize that maybe God as I knew him or had been feeling like I was serving him, um, maybe was not, um, was more of a legalistic or I had kind of a harsh, um, picture of how God viewed my life and, um, I started at that time, I was going to a pretty big church and um, just felt like I could walk in and out on a Sunday and not even see a single person that I knew or connected with. So really started longing for um, a community, kind of a church I could call home. Um, probably for almost since the vineyard started, I was kind of in and out, might come for a week, not be around for a while. And um, I, don't know, I think I was kind of afraid um, maybe to dip my toes in. So last summer I um, decided to give it a try again. I think the longing for just living my life out in a Christian community was um, becoming stronger and stronger. Um, I knew a few people at the vineyard and um, so it's been a good place um, for me, as I said, to kind of dip my toes in and stay on the periphery a little while and feel comfortable. Um, I had one Sunday that was pretty memorable. Um, I walked up and um, Dave was at the door and he was greeting and I'd known him from the past and I asked how he was doing and he said, you know, really pretty well. And um, he said he was feeling God's presence. And um, he said, you know, there's been seasons in my life I haven't been doing well. And um, so he asked me how I was doing. And I said, you know, I'm in one of those seasons I'm not doing too well right now. So right there in that moment, he said, hey, can i pray for you and um i just had tears start in my eyes thinking wow yes please please <laughs> you know just pray for me here and then as i was in the service today um someone else or that day someone else came up put their arm around me and um you know just gave me a little hug and again i just felt like wow this is a place you know that feels like community or i could have community here and, and actually be known and Um, So, this fall I joined um, a community group and um, it's really been a really um, nice place for me to start to almost, I want to say, relearn who God is. Um, It's kind of a simple format that we do, um, studying some scripture together and just asking some simple questions. How, you know, what does the scripture say about who God is or who Jesus is? what does this say about man or humanity? And then in the scripture, is there a way that God might be challenging me or inviting me to something? And then we each have a turn to share. Um, It's been really nice to hear other people, um, just maybe hear how they're um, hearing God speak to them in scripture, what it's saying. And then for myself, it's been, I've experienced a lot of freedom, and maybe seeing God in a different way than I had seen Him before, and then just the fact that I could go to group and say, you know, just I felt like a year and a half ago I had to walk away from God as I understood Him, and nobody in the group is shocked, and they're understanding and just wanting to come alongside me, and having a place um, to pray together. It's it, it feels like I have a place to call home, which. Uh, really been thankful for. Hi, my name is Valerie.
0: So good, we'll listen to it twice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but just, I love that story because, you know, it's starting out on the outside, the peripheral, and then coming on a Sunday and just being seen. You know, it's like, and of course, we all love Dave, but that could have been any of us who just said, how are you? But we stopped long enough to actually go, how are you? And sometimes it's little things like that that turn into big things, and you feel seen, and you feel known, you feel cared for. And we want that to be what shapes our community, is that it's a place where people can say, I'm struggling. Someone like Valerie, who's been in the church for a long time, led ministries at other churches, and who's saying, I know I have all that background and all that stuff, but I'm not sure what I believe right now. I'm not sure what's going on right now. And it's a safe place to say that. We want that to be a community where you feel loved, where you feel safe, where as we invite our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers that we feel welcomed and invited. And so that's the vision we have in this church for more community. And so because of time, we'll, um, we'll whoever's, who's doing communion this morning? Communion? Gabby, awesome. Cool. So I'll finish and then we'll do communion and then we'll close and um, Ben can come up and do a song if you're able to stick around. Um, but here's my invitation to you. Is to ask the question, how am I living out the love of Jesus to the people in this place? Again, next week, in the next two weeks, we'll talk about how do we love people in our workplaces and our neighborhoods, but in this place, how are we loving the people in this place, in our groups, and the people who serve in kids' ministry alongside or, or first impressions? And what maybe is the Lord inviting us into? And maybe you don't really know anybody. And so the first step would be to say hi. <laughs> the first step would be, hey, how are you? Would you want to get some coffee? Or would you want to, you know, whatever. Can I get your number? Or whatever it might be. But it's that first step into community. Maybe you know a lot of people at the surface level. And, and God's invitation maybe to you would be, the only way you're going to be able to love others like Jesus loves you is to be actually known. It's actually to be in a place where people know you and you're known by them. Whatever that next step is, I'd encourage you to ask this week, God, what's my next step that I might can love people in this local church? And if you have another home church where you're watching or you're here, man, do it wherever you're at, wherever you're putting down roots.